Hello, friends and friends of friends, and welcome to the January subscriber episode of Normal Gossip. This month, we are thrilled to welcome Naomi Painter to the show. Naomi is a somatic therapist in Portland, Oregon, a lovely career change made a few years ago after 15 years of underpaid and overworked nonprofit government and education work. I'm sorry, Naomi. She specializes in developmental trauma from ongoing stressful childhood events and parenting, and she says that she absolutely loves her work. She's also a grand lover of gossip, which is good because she listens to gossip all day, and she likes to knit, read Victorian literature, watch WWE wrestling, and do Pilates. Welcome, Naomi. Thank you. Um, Okay, I want to come back to some of the things in that bio, but do you want to start me off um, with a classic question and tell me what your relationship with gossip is? Absolutely. I am a great collector of gossip. I learned the hard way about collecting gossip and then using it elsewhere. Okay. You know what I mean? So I had to learn that that level of like bonding with somebody about sharing gossip about someone else Mm -hmm. that we both know is not okay. And (laughs) so now... I simply get paid to listen to gossip and not share it with anybody. <laughs> did um, it is great? Did you like? Did that weigh into your decision to become a therapist, knowing that you would have gossip all the time, or was that just a side benefit? You know, I think part of the process of becoming a therapist is really being expected to do emotional labor for a really long time, especially as a woman, but you know, upbringing. And then if you go into social services or something, there's just a lot of emotional labor that's done constantly. You're assisting clients, you're, you're assisting your coworkers who are all going through trauma stuff. And so I think gossip is just a way of, there's, there's a lot of sort of gallows humor in social services (laughs) of like, you know, <laughs> right. And so you just you just get you when you're seeing horrible things all the time. The sort of gossip that gets around is stuff that normal people just don't talk about. Right. It's not normal. It's not. It's fun. not normal gossip. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. So then we're all just like trauma bonding over the things that we're experiencing. And so it's actually been quite healing and healthy to have boundaries around the sort of things that I deal with and when I deal with them. Mm -hmm. As a therapist, I get to decide like when I see clients, which clients I see, people aren't just assigned to me. Mm -hmm. Um, And then I'm allowed to have time afterwards (laughs) to decompress and take care of myself and to get supervision, get my own therapy, rather than it being like, go, go, go. We're all in it constantly. And the only way to deal with this is to just like spew your trauma to someone and keep going. (laughs) (laughs) So this is probably the most calming job I've ever had. It's it's like, I'm not sure if I should be happy for you or sad for you that like a a career in which you are for you hear people's trauma all day. And like the hard things going on with their life is the calmest job you've ever had. Like that seems like your other jobs were probably extremely bad. um, To me. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Well, yeah, I've worked in a program for first time parents who are at risk Mm -hmm. for child abuse. So being in someone's home and like trying to figure out how to help them parent their child in the midst of 
chaos and rape and poverty and all the things. And then being a school counselor, not better. (laughs) 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 Amazingly. But also they you're supposed to help the kids pass, you know, as opposed to like dealing with the fact that their parents are on heroin or and then working in homeless services again, just constant emergencies all the time and going into winter shelters at midnight and then still having to go to work at 8 a.m. And then I was in Medicaid, which is, you know, (laughs) I like I feel like I truly like it's hard for me to respect the troops, but like I do feel inclined to salute you. Like, thank you for your service to your community and like to the people around you. It sounds very stressful and very exhausting. So and again, it's never been about the people. It's always about the systems that are mm-hmm. trying to make yeah. us do more and more and more with less and less and less. So it's not enough and support. Yeah. Yeah. And like at the end of the staff meeting being like, don't forget self-care. Yeah. Yeah. Try to not <laughs> cry yourself to sleep, guys. Good job. Right. <laughs> um, so I get to really bond with my clients. I get to see mm-hmm. them through all these things. There's hope. Yeah. And I don't have this expectation of having to provide more than I can. Yeah. People come to me for exactly what I can provide. And that is a really healing experience. Yeah. Um, I have some pretty basic questions for you that I think the listeners will also have. I thought we could just go Bring get it on. Them. Uh, first off, what does somatic mean? <laughs> Yeah. So somatic refers to the body. Okay. So somatic therapy is in contrast to talk therapy or cognitive behavioral therapy. Mm -hmm. Cognitive behavioral therapy is very much about dealing with the thought patterns. Yes, I know her very intimately. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. So somatic therapy kind of puts that on its head and says thoughts are byproduct of the internal world of the body Mm -hmm. and a lot of what happens under the surface was actually kind of programmed ages ago okay so i don't know how deep you want me to get into this i would love an Um, example if you have one that's sure readily i have plenty of examples (laughs) so if you grew up in a jungle okay (laughs) with your parents sure this is my example good example i I love it (laughs) with intakes You would learn a lot of things innately. You would know like when certain animals are going to be in certain areas Mm -hmm. and if they're like good to hunt or need to stay away from those animals, um, certain parts of the jungle that are more dangerous to be in. And because you're very young, you learn these things as instincts, right? Instincts work in a very different way than like sitting right. in history class would work. That's that's just going in as thoughts, <laughs> hopefully staying there, but maybe not. Instincts get encoded into the body. Right. Which is why like your body so, tells you to run, right? Like your body's like, exactly. this is dangerous, get out of here. Yeah. This is dangerous, get out of here. So if you and your parents moved to a big city mm-hmm. when you were like 15 or whatever, yeah. Even worse, if you move to a big city when you're 20, right. <laughs> you are not going to have any of those instincts about a car coming, mm-hmm. for example. But you're going to get really spooked about certain shadows right. because it's telling your body there might be a predator mm-hmm. in that shadow. So when we're dealing with developmental trauma, and by that I mean trauma that happens at a younger age and 
more of like constant stressful childhood experiences, you learn innately how to survive that by creating the instincts to survive it. Sure. Because people and that are works on a body level. Mm-hmm. Yes. So you may have this idea of like intimacy is scary. That's not right. a cognitive <laughs> thought. <laughs> right. That's a body thought. Right. And that can show up in all kinds of ways, like tension in your chest mm-hmm. or stomach aches or, you know, wanting to run, like feeling that in your legs, fidgets. Yeah all kinds of things. And so somatic therapy says, let's take the story mm-hmm. out of it. The story is very cognitive and we're going to go down to the level of the body and allow those physical instincts mm-hmm. to express themselves, be interacted with and start changing the coding at a base level in the body. Okay, so I apologize for how dumb this question is, but I think that other it's, people will no, have it. No, none of your so questions are dumb. Fine. <laughs> um, so, you know, like hip releases, right? Like in yoga, if you're doing like pigeon pose, how that can like be connected to your emotions. I don't really understand Absolutely. why, but like sometimes you do a pose like that and then you're like, oh, I must cry. That's a thing that I'm going to do now. Is that connected to what you do? Okay. I don't do physical things like that. Um, When I worked in person, there might be more touch (laughs) kind of stuff, like if someone needed a hug or Mm -hmm. outside a weighted blanket. Yeah. But that's related to it. Um, Sometimes we get up and literally like dance it out, Mm -hmm. shake it out, do stretches. But a lot of it is very quiet and me asking weird questions like, does that metal tennis ball in your stomach have a face? (laughs) (laughs) What does it, what does it want to do next? You know, like we're working at kind of a weird dreamlike level with the body. Um, And sometimes people start crying and they don't know why. And we may never know why, Mm -hmm. because that memory or that set of, impulses was programmed so long ago that we just don't have adult type memories of those things. Right. So in this, I'm just going to repeat back to you what I thought you said so that I can make sure I understand. Yeah. Um, in this scenario, it is essentially like trying to become more in tune with the way that your body feels and the way that it um, feels is intimately connected with the upbringing that you had. So you're trying to like connect those two things together physically without talking through all of the like tiny aspects of that trauma that you maybe cannot remember. Is that correct? Exactly. And it prevents people from going into that like, oh, I'm just going to tell you my trauma story and I don't even know how traumatic it is because I'm dissociated. Yeah. I'm telling you from up here. Yeah. You know, yeah, I know people all can about talk her. all day. <laughs> <laughs> That's one of my special skills, actually. So please don't uh, make fun Mine of it. Mine too. <laughs> <laughs> Mine too. Yeah. Somatic therapy is really the only thing that's ever been particularly impactful for me. Mm-hmm. I've been a terrible therapy client in my day. <laughs> I'll show up and say, oh, yeah, I know all the things that you're going to mm-hmm. say. I know all the, you know, yeah. all the problems. And and then I leave. How did <laughs> After that hour. becoming a therapist change your perception of therapy? Hugely. I mean, first of all, I used to just ghost therapists. <laughs> and now I fear that. <laughs> 
like, she was no good. I'm not going back. <laughs> That's so mean. <laughs> I understand well, why you did it. I've done it a couple of times myself, but I always feel bad. Totally about mean. It. And it's like, you know, when you're in that state, your body's saying like, they won't even care or they yeah. don't care about exactly. you. Get out of that situation, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it's really made a difference in how I say things to people. Mm-hmm. Like, um, I know that saying, leave him <laughs> is not going to work. <laughs> as much as <laughs> Great. Okay. So what are we supposed to say instead? This is very, this is very <laughs> useful. This is like the front part of a magazine where they're like, <laughs> well, well, you know, that's where the body comes in. You're like, how does it feel if- to be with him? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, because we're so used to not being part mm-hmm. of this. Yeah. And then we're like, well, you know, it's good sometimes and it goes up here, right? Right. So if they're telling me about some shit that went down, mm-hmm. like, and how does your body feel when you're talking about this? And you always see that dread of like, oh, no. <laughs> no. <laughs> and especially if you and your body are connected enough you don't need me or anybody else giving you opinions because your body is going to tell you. Right. We're just so used to overriding that because many of us grew up in situations where it wasn't safe to listen to our bodies. We were constantly being overridden. Yeah. So that allows me to back up off of it. I might be saying leave him in my head. You're saying but leave I him said, in. Does your body say to leave him? <laughs> oh, yeah. I get very tense. Leave him, you know. But that's also my own memories mm-hmm. of not leaving him when yeah. I should have, right? Yeah. Back in the day and being told by a therapist, you need to leave him and me being like, well, I'm not going to. Yeah. So you'll have to figure something Cute idea, else out. But what Doc? else you got? <laughs> But he's great. <laughs> yeah, it's hard. It's hard when you think your boyfriend is great, but actually he's a piece of trash. That's that's hard. It <laughs> I is don't hard, it. and it is. We've all gone through it, right? Yeah. <laughs> I, um, I'm curious, like how. Okay, so something we think about a lot on the show is that, like, the show is called Normal Gossip, but in a lot of ways, like, the gossip on the show is not normal. In that, the gossip on the show is always happy or like happy ish right like we're like we try Mm -hmm. not to like have the truly deep dark badness feeling in the show even though like every story has its own like deep dark bad side if you look close enough how do Mm -hmm. you like create space for fun in the gossip you're consuming when so many of the stories you're consuming are like the hardest things that people are going through All gossip is fun, even the (laughs) hardest ones. I'm telling you, because the thing that makes it, the thing that makes humor Mm -hmm. funny is cognitive dissonance. Yeah. It's saying something that someone wasn't expecting. Right. And if you can put a mirror up to like, wow, did you just hear that? Yeah. That's hilarious. Mm -hmm. Being told something like, you know, it's my fault that my parents hated me because <laughs> I hid an object of theirs when I was two. And, like, and so is there, and you're like, repeat it back. <laughs> you were two. Like, that's crazy. And and we can actually mm-hmm. laugh about that. Like, oh, that's a voice yeah. that was inside me. That's funny. 
or like, yeah, we just, what's funny is our body hides things from us Mm -hmm. all day long. It's, it's going on these old core beliefs that when you really look at them are ludicrous because we needed to create whatever narrative it was to survive. So what I love about therapy is we can be just like crying sometimes together and then the next moment we're yeah. cracking up because, wow, the body said I needed to do X, Y, and Z to be loved by right. this. Right. <laughs> <laughs> you know? So I, and humor is just mm-hmm. so healing anyway. It's, it's a very social activity to be smiling yeah. and laughing and it helps calm the nervous system. I I don't have like a Mr. Rogers yeah. voice the whole time. You know, we're just we're just having fun together and figuring out how to be connected mm-hmm. in a safe way. And humor is very much a part of that. People who have deep trauma often have a really hard time having a yeah. good sense of humor because humor can be threatening to their right, rigidity. Because it forces you to like question the things that have happened to you instead of like accepting them wholesale. Humor yeah. is all about questioning. I can't remember. Yeah. There's a very famous yeah. quote that I, of course, cannot remember who it's from now, that it's just that, like, comedy is trauma plus time, right? So it's like you have, like, enough time <laughs> yes. to be like, oh, haha, this very dramatic thing that happened to me actually has this, like, lighter, funnier side or the fact that it happened is, like, somewhat funny in itself because I have healed from it enough to say that, which is, like, kind of funny. Sure. And I have to be skilled enough to also notice that when someone says something shocking and then has a little laugh about Mm -hmm. it, I'm like, oh, there's some cognitive Uh dissonance. You don't really want to see what that's doing. You're like, oh, and that happened, whatever. And I'm like, oh, (laughs) what's that laugh hiding? So it's both. Yeah, we do do both things. I had a therapist for, I had one therapist for a big chunk of time. And she was like the first therapist I saw for a very long time. And she never laughed at any of my jokes early on. And I was like, this is, I was like, this is a nightmare. Like I'm in here doing my like tight 48 minute set and like she hates it. And it was, I like, right. I was like, why are all of my sets bombing? I'm trying so hard. And like, I realized later Mm -hmm. that it's because like, she wanted that space there for me to be like, okay, she didn't laugh. Like, was that not funny? Right. Because like I was saying things that weren't funny. I was just saying them in a funny way, mm. which is like it was smart on her part. She, she really hung you out. Yeah, I know. Dry. Right. <laughs> she was a great therapist. She really tricked me a lot, but it worked. <laughs> I would at least say something like that's legitimately funny. Yeah. And I noticed there might be something yeah. else. Going Later, on she here. would laugh like eventually I she would start laughing and I would be like, oh, yes. Like it was like so satisfying to get a real laugh out of her because it was so rare. Um, <laughs> do you consider yourself a gossip? <laughs> I consider myself a gossip as an intrinsic identity. Okay. <laughs> and it doesn't mean Same. that. Yeah. And and it doesn't mean that I can gossip about most mm-hmm. of the gossip that I yeah. have. Um, I would say where a lot of that comes out is in consultation mm-hmm. groups. I, I don't, don't know, know if you're familiar with. Pretend I know nothing. Therapists. Yeah. Therapists work alone. Yes. Right. And that's you can't just do that forever. So we have supervisors or mm-hmm. colleagues and we meet 
for consultation mm-hmm. groups. And these are actually gossip sessions, mm-hmm. but without personal identifying information. HIPAA. And this is this is right <laughs> exactly HIPAA. This is right on my informed consent document. I say I meet with right. other therapists where we talk about issues coming up, and I don't I never use personal identifying right. information. But you know, when you're hearing about the shit that went down in someone's yeah. session, can't help but think like said they owned a food cart i wonder if i could (laughs) which one you know but yeah that's the only place that we can talk you know is with our colleagues and thank god we have that because some pretty wild stuff can happen in session and you don't want to just like (laughs) i am that so one of my the reasons that we kind of like started this podcast and that i started thinking about it was that during the pod during the podcast during the pandemic um I had like several gossip stories that I was very invested in that were happening to like my friends of friends. And then because everyone stopped going anywhere, mm-hmm. there no, were no more updates. So like, I imagine mm. that the therapy circle must be like kind of similar to that, where it's like you're invested in stories with people you don't know and you have no identifying information for them, but you're like, did she leave? Like, did she get out of her bad relationship? Like, I need to know. <laughs> And, you know, sometimes a client tells me a story about their friend yeah. and then and the like, next what week with the friend? they're on some other topic. <laughs> I'm like, what happened? <laughs> like, like the, you exactly. lost the plot, babe. Like, I need to know. <laughs> <laughs> I will say that during the pandemic, my clients were almost the only people I was oh, no. seeing. And so it felt like, you know, things got really unbalanced yeah. where I was like, super invested in yeah. lives of people that in some cases I've never even right. met in person and it's an incredibly intense relationship and yeah. I'm not allowed to, to talk about it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so I'm glad things are feeling more balanced yeah. in my life I'm, right I'm now. <laughs> happy for you that you have people to see that aren't people who you're doing work for. That <laughs> seems good. <laughs> We're both happy about that. <laughs> I have a couple of questions from your bio that aren't related to therapy. Um, one of them is, is there any gossip in WWE? Like, what's going on? What's going on over there? WWE what is, is gossip. It? Like, tell the tell the listeners okay. what's happening. <laughs> all, all things WWE are gossip, soap opera, okay. who is upset with who. Okay. My favorite. That's the entire programming. Chef's kiss. And <laughs> it's so wonderful. There, there's so many reasons I love WWE, but I've only been able to articulate them kind of recently because before <laughs> that was just like, it's great. You know, it's like guilty pleasure, mm-hmm. right? But now I'm like a weird little evangelist okay, for it. I love it when someone brings a it's, little soapbox to this episode. That's good. Please hop right my up. Soapbox. What do you got? I got introduced to WWE by a friend in 2002. (laughs) So I've been watching for a long time. And at the time I said what everybody says is like, this is so dumb. Like this wrestling doesn't even look real. Like why is he angry? Like this is the dumbest shit I ever saw. And over time you just get invested in the characters. Mm -hmm. 
it's like, wait, I thought that was his girlfriend. Why is this guy, why are they wrestling over her? And then he's going to marry her if they win. That's crazy. And then you just, I mean, you get this more does invested. sound like something I would be interested in based on these. It's fascinating. And then the flip flops of character, people can be a good guy for a while and then they just turn on their friend. <sighs> But what I love about it is it's very calming for the nervous system because everything is telegraphed hard beforehand. Oh, in what sense? Like, can you explain it to me a little dumber? <laughs> it's just hard to have surprises in WWE when you've been watching it long enough mm -hmm. because let's say a guy wins a championship belt or a lady, yeah. right? They're going to come out and do one of two <laughs> things. They're going to say... I'm a fighting champion and I'm here as your representative and anybody can come out and challenge yeah. me or they're going to come out and say, I'm the best. No efforts around yeah. here are as good as me. And I'm never, you know, I don't have to fight with this belt until the next championship, <laughs> you know, like big thing. And so then someone's going to come out, usually whoever them. they've been kind of, yeah. yeah, whoever's been kind of pushed up and they're going to say, I challenge you and it's either going to be a good guy against the heel, right? right? Or it's going to be a heel a against guy. a good guy. And, yeah. And then whenever someone's been like really getting along for a really long time, mm -hmm. you know, they're going to have to change it up. Someone's <laughs> going to turn on the other one. It's like days it's of our lives. <laughs> yes. And so you can just watch and just know that, there will be no surprises here. And all of the wrestling is beautiful. It's like dancing. I do like dancing. They have to choreograph it months and months. Right. In so advance. they don't hurt each other. So like if, actually. So they don't hurt each other. Yeah. You can watch them if you're, if you're a dedicated watcher. Like <laughs> you can watch them like spring to each other what they're right? going to do. You know, or like checking if there was like kind of a scary mm -hmm. drop. Like, how you doing? Yeah. They'll do kind of like a whole, how you doing, Aww. buddy? You know? And so, like, I can know that nobody here hates yeah. each other. Everyone's friends. Probably not, but right? But who heart, knows? I can just tell myself that. Friends. In my heart. And you can see the audience mm -hmm. responding in very specific choreographed ways. And it's just like three hours of wonderful mindlessness I and colors that. and that sounds great <laughs> and I, I love, love colors too. I love drama <laughs> it's almost the only tv I watch besides British Big I Show. mean those are I would say like complete and polar opposites in some ways in that one is very They're quiet not. and one is very loud but there is a lot of they are like both predictable in a way that makes sense to yeah me. it's like less stressful because you know what comes next yeah, when really bad things happen in wrestling, they were not planned. Yeah. And uh yikes. <laughs> and that happens, you know, it's like, oh my god, Cesaro had a tooth knocked out. No one planned that. <laughs> and he he still wrestled. Wow, what a buff crazy dude, you know, but like then you that's the surprise. We'll be talking about it for yeah. months. Cesaro had a tooth knocked Can out. Can you believe it? You know. <laughs> Unlike real life, when crazy shit's happening all day, you can't predict. I know that's awful. <laughs> I would much rather predict it. That does seem better to me. You're right. 
I never know what I'm getting when I sit down I know. with a client. It always not confuses a single bit. me, like because <laughs> I mean, because I'm a writer and that's my job, and like I think about almost everything I consume and like a plot structure. It always confuses mm. me when like people's lives go off the plot structure. I'm like, this doesn't make any sense. <laughs> like, this is not what should be happening here. Like, the steps should mm-hmm. lead here. <laughs> Yeah, I, just, I actually really like books that are like that. I just read How Should a Person Be oh, by Sheila yeah, Hetty. Oh, Sheila Hetty. Yes. What a talent. And there's no plot. Yeah. But when you look at it as a whole, life is a plot. Yeah. You just don't know where it's going we're yet. Doing, if we're doing book chat, um, I also really recommend Annie Ernaux, who just won the – she just won the Nobel Prize for literature, mm-hmm. which is incredible because she's, like, a hot girl. And, like, all of her memoirs are, like – here's a bunch of stories from my childhood where I felt shame. And they're all just like, she's a great writer, very like similar in the memoir vein of Sheila Hetty. Um, but I love her books because of the same thing where it's like, oh, yeah, I would love to hear about some gossip you had in eighth grade. Like, sure. Oh, what yeah. was happening in the French countryside? <laughs> David Sedaris also, mm-hmm. it's like reading const- the gossip that you would only hear from your best friend because it. he has absolutely no shame. And He'll no just filter. say any yeah. crazy thing. <laughs> yeah. I thought, uh, speaking of crazy things, I thought we could do some secrets. Would you like to do some? Okay, so oh, yeah. for those of you who don't know what's happening right now, um, we had two live shows in DC last month. Thank you to everyone who came. They were a real blast. Um, I slept 14 hours every day after the two shows. So that's a sign that they were fun. Um, during the show, we had a like segment where people sent in their secrets to our like little number. And then Alex pulled out some good ones and I read them at the end. But we didn't get to all of them. So Alex has provided us with some to talk about today that um, Naomi and I are going to go through, but I have not read these. So this is, we're, we're both going in blind here, which could be fun or terrifying. This is fresh. This is blind react. Exactly. Okay. So I'm going to yes. read, I'm going to read them. Are you ready? We're going to start with the first one. The first one is mm-hmm. <laughs> Secretary Pete Buttigieg has the softest hands, man hands I've ever felt. <laughs> How do you feel about this secret? Wow. <laughs> I all I can think of is in what context yeah, was this a handshake? Probably, or was it more? It, the shows were in DC, so I would assume a handshake, but it kind of. Why would you assume yeah, that's that? A good point. Great point. <laughs> it does kind of make sense to me that he would have soft hands, though. It seems like he would have soft hands. Was his partner there? Great question. I don't know. I don't know any <laughs> of the answers to this because these are secrets. <laughs> That's like that makes me happy to hear. I I feel like I like Pete Buttigieg oh. just a little bit more. Knowing His skin that. is so clear, it's a gentle it makes man. Sense that he has soft hands to me. What kind of mm-hmm. just, Pete? Drop the moisturizer routine. Um, yes. <laughs> okay, number two. I overheard my brother talk to his wife about her being pregnant, and they don't know that I heard. So I am the only person in my family that knows. Oh. Well, now I just wonder how far along are they? Will she be the I only know. or he know the only person be the only person that knows if like they I know it doesn't work terrifying. <laughs> I'm early pregnancy is very scary to me because I'm like, you never it's know true. how it's gonna go. But I do think it's a fun secret. Like every time we've had secrets submitted, someone's always been like, I'm pregnant and no one knows. So it's like kind of funny <laughs> to hear it from the other perspective of like, I know someone's <laughs> pregnant. <laughs> That's a that's a nice happy secret. You guys get such lovely secrets. I, I was like ready for the dark. Well, I'm shit. sure some of them will be dark. We haven't gotten through all of them yet. Um, Fair enough. Okay, number three. When I was 22, 
Yikes. I hacked into my then boyfriend, now husband's ex-girlfriend's email. <laughs> what a superpower. How did yeah, they how do, do you that? hack in there? <laughs> yeah. Now that I that think about amazing. it, I'm like, okay, so are you a professional hacker or do you just like know enough about that person to be able to guess their password? Or were they just already signed in? Yeah, like, how do they have access yeah. to that? I have so many questions. Huh. Man, oh, well. I wish someone would hack into my email and delete all my fucking emails from, like, TJ Maxx. I would like them to go away. I'll do it Thank for you. Thank you so much. You know, there's a, there's a spam filter for <laughs> I that. have one. <laughs> <laughs> I have two different filters. They're just it's impossible. I hate my oh, email. Goodness. Okay, number four. We flew from Florida... And the man I send my nudes to works at Hilton and added me to his friends and family plan. And we got a great deal on a hotel two minutes away. Wow. That's great. That's beautiful. More power to them. Yeah. You know, friends and family is a state of mind. And I think that if you're sending nudes to someone, you should be added to their friends and family plan at the Hilton Hotel. That seems fair to me. <laughs> I feel like this person is winning late stage capitalism. I know. It's impressive. You're getting a little deal on a hotel. Probably a nice one. That's great. Also, flew from Florida. Wow. Brave. Thank you for traveling. Yeah. Um, okay, number five. An old roommate made out with two boys I liked over the course of the year. So I stole one of her spoons, knowing that it would drive her crazy to not have a full set. I'm wondering if I was the roommate. <laughs> Did you lose a spoon? <laughs> <laughs> It's it's so beautiful to me that, like, when you're roommates with someone, you know things like this. Like, you know, like, if I stole a spoon, this would ruin your day. Because, like, I think you could probably steal half of my spoons before I noticed. And then I would be like, where did all of my spoons go? Right? Like, it wouldn't – I would never assume that, like, that was – I have too many spoons now. But when I lived with four other people, you cherish the spoons <laughs> you have. For sure. <laughs> Now you have one less because she made out with two boys she liked, you know, actions have consequences, I guess. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, okay, number six. I used I used to still have access to my ex's Amazon account and canceled a few gifts he was buying his new girl. <laughs> the parenthesis says the one he promised me he was just friends with. Oh, oh, the Olivia Rodrigo effect. Yeah, truly. I do. (laughs) I do think that if you don't revoke your ex's access to your Amazon account, like that's a little bit on you. Um, Yeah, you get you get what's what's happening for sure. (laughs) If you're breaking up first, you take care of all the accounts. Yes. (laughs) All the accounts. Yes. I do. Yeah. That seems right to me. I also like the one that always kills me is like when people are logged into their like Netflix account at an Airbnb. That's the one that I'm always like, what are you doing? (laughs) I can watch anything. Yeah, I'm like, sure, I'm Jody. What's Jody like? (laughs) (laughs) When Um, our dog sitter would stay over, she had her her own account and we would get to see what she was watching. Yeah. It was great. <laughs> watch what watch what she's watching. Who knows what her algorithm is giving her? Okay, this is our final one. Okay. I've been lying to my boyfriend about being allergic to shrimp for two and a half years. <laughs> but why? <laughs> this is such a specific lie. Like 
I don't know how you get out of this. Like, how do you, do you just have to pretend to be allergic to shrimp forever? Uh, I, so I, I guess what I would do is I would say (laughs) I got a shot for it and it's better now. (laughs) But actually they found a cure. I'm saved. (laughs) I got, I got the allergy shots everyone's always talking about in my shrimp allergy. (laughs) My shrimp allergy is solved. I just. But if they just don't like shrimp, like I could see that. Like if I, I don't like onions, so I could say, but then you would have to just keep it up all the time because onions could just creep into whatever yeah i like i understand this when people do it at restaurants right when they're like i'm allergic to gluten so that like they won't get gluten in the things that they have but like shellfish allergies are really serious right like that's what's funny about it to me is that like saying you're allergic to shrimp is not like saying you're allergic to onions because if you said you're allergic to onions it's like oh i feel bad if you're allergic to That's shrimp, it's like my lie. throat is closing. <laughs> yeah. I told a weird lie to someone that I was just meeting that I was gray and I dyed my hair. And you don't? And I didn't. Why did you And I lie? accidentally became... Well, that's a good question. I don't 100% understand okay, that. Okay, great. <laughs> Sometimes, you know, you're but just I, saying I accidentally stuff. became friends with them for like 20 <laughs> years and eventually had to say like, I'm not. I lied. <laughs> and they were really upset, actually. Yeah, I think that's the thing is like after two and a half, like I can see making this like lie on a first date, right? And being like, I am allergic mm-hmm. to shrimp. That's why I don't eat them. It's not because I don't like them. But like (laughs) Alex is saying, wow, this is like an episode of the rehearsal and she's right. Because like imagine being two and a half years into your relationship. If like someone I was dating for two and a half years was like, actually, I'm not allergic to shrimp, a thing that you have been very concerned about me eating shrimp for two years because you love me. I would be very upset. (laughs) Yeah. I... I think you have to lie the forever. Thing is, I totally understand it. I I have been the person who will tell a random chaotic lie because I think it's funny. Yeah. More so in my 20s yeah. than now because, you know. But, like, then two dates later is too soon. Yeah. Right? You can't be Three like. Three dates later, too soon. But then after, like, five or six dates, you're like, oh, shit, I actually kind of like this yeah. guy. and. Now I told this chaotic right. life. Now no it's been reason. two and a half years and I have to tell everyone I'm allergic to shrimp so that he won't find out. <laughs> it's clearly eating at them. I know. I think you're right about the shot. That's a good that's a good cover up. Oh, they invented it. I a hope cure. they listen to this episode. <laughs> We've got your out. Yeah, we found an out for you. Um, congratulations. <laughs> <laughs> Please well, fix this. Maybe. <laughs> we- Thank you so much for coming on the subscriber episode. This was a joy. Is there anything else that you'd like to add? You know, this is a, a total dream. This got me through a number of mental health walks. Oh, thank you. <laughs> this this podcast. And uh, I'm just so excited to hear, you know, the next season. And um, some of my friends have said that they wanted to submit gossip that I featured in. So you <gasps> might get some. <laughs> Ooh, voila. Okay. Well, if, if they you do, might... let us know. <laughs> I will. Yeah. I gave them permission. So okay. it's fine. I... But, but it's already anonymized. That's beautiful. <laughs> I do like that people have started being like, I checked with my friend. Like, I think that that's very cute to get consent yeah. to share your gossip that I will then anonymize. I think that that's, that's nice. <laughs> 
what a wonderful yeah. show and i so appreciate this the show existing for people thank you so much <laughs> amy thanks so much for coming on have a great day thank you bye, bye. <laughs> Thank you so much for supporting Normal Gossip. If you want to be a guest on a future subscriber episode, please upgrade to the friend level at supportnormalgossip.com if you haven't already. This podcast was produced by Alex Sujan Laughlin. Defector's Projects Editor is Justin Ellis. Our Editor-in-Chief is Tom Lay. Thank you to the rest of the Defector staff. Defector Media is a collectively owned subscriber-based media company. Thank you so much for your support. It's what allows us to do what we do. I'm Kelsey McKinney, and remember, you did not hear this from me.